to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Today we are going to be dealing with a very important subject. Uh, it's the one that kept me up up to zero two. Because have you ever prepared everything, put your tablet properly, the phone is properly, everything is okay, the sermon is there, the notes are there. Then you go to bed and you start hearing a new sermon. <laughs> you try to ignore it <laughs> and it keeps coming, it keeps coming. One scripture tends to two, two scriptures tend to five, five tend to ten. Praise God. And, so you, and it's cold. and your laptop is in the other room. (laughs) Who's ever had those days? We're like, God. Yeah, and so that's that's what happened. And so it's going to be really, really interesting. Don't worry, for those who are saying, what about the rest of the notes on how to get demonized and how we can deal with that? We still have a lot of time. I'm the pastor. I can do a dear mentee, I can write it. I'm the pastor. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Haven't you been honored to participate in the fast? On Friday, we had our overnight. And we spent 120 minutes straight in prayer. So they were suggesting to me that the next one should be 150 minutes. For now, it's still a suggestion. <laughs> and then I think we did like an hour plus soaking worship, right? Yes. An hour plus. Ashes. Too many movements today. By the time I get into the zone, no one should move. Okay. And then uh, we had, like I said, a lot of prayers and all that kind of stuff. And I've just been thinking what a privilege it is. I've been feeling like the engine has increased. Philippians 2. From verse 12. And we're going to read from verse 12. Philippians 2 and verse 12. Are we there? Okay. So the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, let me start with this preamble. Um, Many are the times that our teachings especially our teachings in the faith, involve some form of accountability. They involve a certain aspect of you having to do something. And of course, the reason for that is because faith without works is dead. 
But for me, the challenge comes in when we absolutely neglect the fact that it is God who still works in you to will and to do. And I never want us to neglect that aspect, the aspect of God's part. Let me explain what I mean. Let's say somebody is not born again, and before they are saved, they are living a reckless life, and they know they shouldn't live like that. They know they shouldn't do that, they shouldn't do that, they shouldn't do that. They've probably received advice before saying, don't do that, don't live like that. They get saved today. Three days later, the advice has not necessarily changed. But what has changed is that they now have God working in them. So we can tell them the same, don't do this like this and don't do this like that. But the difference is that God now is working in them to will and to do. So the difference between a person who's saved and a person who's not saved is not necessarily the desire to not do wrong. The difference between them is the fact that the other one has God working in them. So, when you hear teachings like the ones we've been given, saying, okay, so avoid watching this, avoid listening to this, avoid being found in these places, don't rely on your own strength. It is God who works in us both to will and to do. I hope you're hearing me. Somebody say glory. glory. I've shared this and I've opened with this verse. Because I really want us to pay attention to this aspect. I really want us to pay attention to the aspect of God. The part that God has to play. There is um, there's something I've been working on for some years, actually, too. And God willing, will be done this year. When I studied the scriptures, I came to find that about 49 times, 49 times, somewhere there, you find a verse where God is given a promise, and the promise he gives is, I will be their God. That's the promise that he gives. I will be their God. That means that in as much as we talk about the friendship of God, the fellowship of God, and all those things, the starting place of relationship that God wants to have with us is Him being our God. You know what it means to have your God? And then what it means to have Jehovah as your God? It's a big deal. It's not something small. It, it absolutely baffles, it changes the way you think. That's why when you get to understand him as your God, you understand even the place of miracles. There are many people who've begun to operate in the realm called logic. They're operating in the logic realm. They've even watered down miracles. Every miracle in the Bible has got a reason why it happened. Now this was to signify this, this one was to signify this. And you can hear somebody saying, you guys are looking for miracles. Waking up every day is a miracle. You never open any scripture. Jeremiah woke up, what a miracle. <laughs> never find any of those. Now, I'm not saying that for some, waking up is. All in all, it's a privilege, right? It's a gift from God. But don't you think there's something beyond that? Don't you think there has to be something more about having him as your God than just waking up every day? Don't you think there is more to the promises he gave beyond the waking up? Otherwise, every scripture would have been written like that. When you read the Bible, you find real scriptures talking about real people who experienced something very supernatural because of the God they encountered. James 5. I really want us to catch this with our spirit. It will change the way you look at life. It's one of those. 
James 5. I'll give, by the way, you may be asking about the title. I'll give it to you after four verses. But some of you would have figured it out. <laughs> I'm still introducing. Five, give me verse 16. Okay, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Next verse. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Give me the Amplified. It says, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. Sometimes when we think of um, Bible people, I won't even call them characters because they're people. When we think of Bible people, we think of like, you know, like we think of these guys who just dropped from heaven. Like Elijah just dropped one day and was a prophet and the like. Elijah had feelings like us. Elijah could get hungry. God knew that Elijah, I need to take care of the food aspect. <laughs> Don't you remember? God would always make sure the food aspect of Elijah is taken care of. There was a time it was the widow. There was a time it was an angel who baked him a cake. <laughs> Elijah had to be well fed <laughs> for him to function. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand him. <laughs> I think I would get along very well. No, you guys have never observed there's a lot of food in Elijah's life. Have you ever had an angel bake you a cake? Praise God. <laughs> Nobody's saying that's my life. <laughs> Haven't you seen why it's written that John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking and you called him uh, a demoniac and the like. So meaning even men and women of God come in different shapes and sizes. John the Baptist was always in the desert. He was eating honey and locusts. And then it says, Jesus came eating and drinking. I'm like, Jesus, I want to be like you. And Jesus went for every dinner he was invited to. There is not, even if it was a Pharisee. That's why he ministered. Anyways, guys, let's continue. My point was this. We are talking about Elijah who had a nature like us. He had feelings. So in case some of us feel like we feel a lot. The guy had feelings, okay? So if you've been blessed with the gift of sensitivity. And it says he had affections and a constitution like ours. But what happened? He prayed earnestly for it not to rain. And no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Elijah, next verse. And then he prayed again and the heaven supplied rain and the land produced its crops. Now, why have I quoted that? I've quoted that for us to have an idea that that's what it meant for him to, to have a relationship with the supernatural God. He himself became supernatural. I'm saying this because the way the world is working and sometimes even the way we hear messages, we can forget the aspect of God. We can forget the aspect of God. You can make the same investments as everyone else. Study the same books as everybody else. But there's something about God intervening in a situation. Something about God intervening in a situation. I was asked a question the other day. Somebody asked me saying, uh, I've got a very honest question for you. I've observed you for many years. Why is it that everything you do works? I had no, you know, I had two options. Option one, write a book. You see the 16 ways of everything working. <laughs> Number one, there's a way you have to comb your hair. Something about combed hair gives your mind space to... <laughs> you know what I mean? Option two, walk confidently. When people see the aura that you walk with, this, this, this. But, you know, I looked and I said, ha, God. <laughs> now, <laughs> there was a man in the Bible who was a prophet, and he was God's friend. 
And there was a famine in the land, and he got himself into trouble. He went to the land of a person named Abimelech and got himself in some trouble. And I'll be using the New King James. Eh? So he got himself in some trouble in that his wife was extremely beautiful. And the blessing that was upon Sarah, we don't know, because the lady was like, at that point, she was quite old, and kings were checking her out. As in the guy feared for his life because of his wife. He said, they'll kill me over this woman. And so he told us, I don't know if I can say he lied or he told a skillful truth. Because <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Sarah was a stepsister or something, right? Something like that. Read the history. So the guy decided to go for the truth that suited him best <laughs> at that moment. And so he said, um, well, she's my sister. And the king said, hey, perfect. I don't know if the king even gave some loola. And got the woman. He was in a tough fix which he had gotten himself into. Some of us watching me here may have gotten ourselves into a fix. Well, you even know this one is not even the devil. This is me. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. The fact is this. Um, let's not pretend that we're pastoring people who have not made some bad decisions before. Praise God. And I don't know about you, I, I've been there before, you know, okay, Padja, that was me. Yeah. However, there's something that happened which I want us to see, and I want us to pay particular attention to the wording. So let's go, Genesis 20, verse 2. And so the Bible says, Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, and don't scroll to the next one until I tell you, eh? Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah. Abraham is now in a fix. And this fix is also now affecting Sarah. Because Sarah is about to officially become an adulteress. At this point, Abraham is in a fix. Are you guys ready for the next verse? Next verse. But God... <laughs> Hey. The Bible says, but God came to Abimelech. God is like, no, 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 not, not Abraham. I know he's the one who's messed up. But this guy is my friend. So the Bible says, but God. <laughs> God comes to Abimelech in a dream by night and say to him, you are a dead man. If God tells somebody you're dead. <laughs> and, and you know what? The Lord spoke to me that this message has come as a response to your prayers. Now, in case you've not been praying and you've just joined us, you're participating as well. So it says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Next verse. But Abimelech had not come near her. Somehow, Abimelech, when have you ever heard of that? Someone marries someone and they ain't come near them. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? <laughs> uh -huh. Did he not say to me, she's my sister? And she, and she even herself said, he's my brother. <laughs> in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I've done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you will surely die. You and all who are yours. But God. There is, there is someone today that, that just... Like you've tried all the calculations. You've tried all... It's, you're about to experience a bad God. 
where it's not like you've not written those CVs. It's not like you've not dropped in those applications. But God. We are just starting. There's somebody else in the Bible. His name was Jacob. Jacob had a very interesting relationship with his father-in-law. Both of them used to do things to each other. I was once given the wrong wife. <laughs> and they're like, he was the father-in-law on two sides, both wives. Now if somebody is asking, so, so pastor, is it okay? The Bible says death reigned from Adam to Moses. One of these days, allow me to explain that. You begin to see that some of the manifestations that were taking place was a result of death. That's why when Jesus came, he would say things like, you have heard it was said, but now I say. And that's why when he was asked concerning marriage, did you hear his answer? He said it was not so in the beginning, meaning something had been altered along the way. Okay. So Jacob got into trouble with Laban because Laban was trying to cheat him out of reward. And then Jacob used spiritual intelligence. I say spiritual intelligence because if you read the story, and by the way, when I say these things, go back and read them because sometimes our Bible richness is affected because we've read very little. And that also affects the quality of how much we hear the Holy Spirit. Because the vocabulary the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us is the scriptures. So if you've not read, you'll find that he'll be limited in what he can say to you. He'll only speak to you about John 3.16. And as beautiful as that is, the full counsel of God is not revealed in one verse. Okay. And so Laban made a decision that he was going to deal with Jacob. And I want us to read Genesis 31, verse 22. Genesis 31, verse 22. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. So now, Jacob has now run away. He's gotten what's his. And then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. So he, he pursued him with a purpose. The purpose was to deal with him. And you know, interestingly in life, you never know who's out to get you. You never know who just doesn't want you to get that job, who just doesn't want you to get that promotion. I know what I'm talking about. You know, we've had situations where some people have had to leave companies so that others should be promoted. Because it was just one person just said, not that one, not that one, not that one. With just this anger in their heart. And you may, be a, you may be experiencing such a thing. There was a guy called Jacob who Laban was out to pursue him. However, something happened in verse 24. Okay, I, I know I might sound like a broken record, but I'm just reading the Bible. And the Bible says, But God had come to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night, and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. Like this one is mine. You, you don't touch this one. There is a blessing upon him. There is a promise. This, this guy, I'm about to change his name to Israel. He'll be a patriarch. There is, you don't touch this one. And... When we read on, so Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched his tent in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee secretly and stay away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs and timber and harp. That's not true. That's not true. That's not how we plan to send him away. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father <laughs> spoke to me last night. 
saying, be careful. We're coming to a place where you're going to experience, if Cain, Cain who was cursed, complained to God, and the Bible says God put a mark on him that no one should touch him. Can you imagine the divine protection you're about to experience? People may be going around attacking people and all that stuff. They want to come to you, but God. You know, I'll never forget, I think it should have been 2009. I was coming back from, I was coming back from watching a movie. I don't remember what movie that was. Yes. And I was living in Woodlands by then. I was coming with my sister, actually. We were on a bus. And for some reason, I, it was so strange. I told her to drop off at a certain bus station and I would drop off at the other one. And I'd just gotten to know God in that period. And I'd just heard hearing the Holy Spirit. And so, I'm walking and suddenly I see a group of men and power had gone. There was no shedding. And there was a group of men coming and I thought, hey, let me stay away. And so I was walking like just on my end, like just this side. And then I'm blessed with a certain complexion. So I was thinking, they definitely won't see me. <laughs> as long as I just avoid smiling, no one will see me. Eh? Like, so I just, I was just being humble and loving God. How they saw me? <laughs> and then, you know, they surrounded me. And then some guy comes to me and goes like, Why Langana away? He expect me to look at you're holding me like Why Langana? Why Langana? And they and then I heard the Holy Spirit say, Use the name of Jesus. I said, Lord Jesus, help me. And then one guy comes from the back and stands and shields me and says, Musieni, ni muziva. For those who don't know what that means. He was saying, I know him, I know him, I know him, I know him. And then he takes me aside and asked for what is now equivalent to a 15 way. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, you may think I'm joking. There was another time. I think Dylan would remember the day because you were home. Do you remember when I, I took a prayer walk to Manda Hill? That's why I don't take prayer walks. <laughs> Okay, I'd heard a lot of people talking about prayer walks, prayer walks. I thought, ah, nice, eh? Like prayer walk. So I took a prayer walk to Monday Hill. And I came back. That's the day I sang a new song. Remember, Jesus, you are mighty. You are the first one who played it for me, right? Jesus, you are worthy. What happened that day? <laughs> I'm on my way back. And I'm reaching somewhere near the market region. And these guys just stopped me. One guy grabs me. Like the anger on him, like it was a demon. And shoves me to the wall, like boom. And so I'm saying, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. And there are like a number of them. I'm wondering why. And it's, it was in daylight. I'm not joking. And then the guy like, like decides to punch me. And goes, and then his hand starts shaking. And shaking, and shaking. And he just gets angry at himself for not being able to do anything. And he just walked out. I'm telling you, I'm not joking. You guys remember that day, Because eh? I came home and I was like, this is what happened. But, God. <laughs> so I just came back and I was singing, hey. <laughs> and that's how I wrote a song. Jesus, you are mighty. And Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are... So, did I just do that? So anyways... <laughs> So I usually take prayer walks in the yard. <laughs> yeah, I'm a demon's yard. I'm a demon's yard, Parker. <laughs> but the risk wing, however, advised us to take walks. <laughs> I saw a status yesterday night that soon the risk wing will no longer be able to tell me to exercise and walk. <laughs> Glory to God. I think risking should buy t-shirts. What do you think? Risking. At the back. Body the exercise. Okay. So anyways, 
by the way, I'm not, ag I'm, I'm not against prayer works. I was just joking. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I hope you're seeing what I'm saying. Where this guy said, it is in my power to do your harm. And they're, they're made, one of the prayers I usually pray for people is let their destiny move away from the hands of men. Where it's about what a man decides. Like, whichever side of the bed they wake up from, that will determine what your income will be for the next year. He said, it's in my power to do you harm. No, not anymore. Because, but God. God said, no, no, it's not in your power. You're not going to do anything to this guy because I'm here. We're just getting started. There's another guy called Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his family. They, they left him for dead in a pit. Afterwards, they sold him to be a slave, hoping to never hear from him again. They killed a goat, got the blood of that goat, put it on a shirt and lied to his father. There was a mock funeral about Joseph. Joseph was betrayed. Joseph was betrayed when Stephen gives an account of Joseph's life in Acts 7. He says something that determined, you know, we can talk about Joseph's integrity. We can talk about Joseph's economic skills. We can talk about Joseph's handsomeness. We can talk about so many things. Yeah, he was handsome. I think so. <laughs> we can talk about so many things about Joseph, his hard work and the like. But the question is, what determined the way his life went? Stephen gives us an account of that in Acts 7. The Bible says, the high priest said, are these things so? And he said, brethren, fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, get out of your country. We'll go the way to verse 9. I want you to follow the story. And from your relatives, and come to the land I will show you. Then he came out. No, 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 no. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it. Are you following not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. And the nation to whom they would be in bondage, I would judge, said God. And after that, they will come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him, remember we're talking about Joseph, right? So he gave him a covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. Now, just, just for, for purposes of Bible study, this is my church. Uh, oh, by the way, you know the people get offended by a pastor saying this is my church. But then people don't get offended by a member saying this is my pastor. I don't know. <laughs> Quite what? <laughs> what a vine. This is Cassandra's church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, it's not stewardship if you don't personalize it, right? If you used to watch The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, the hotel was owned by the Tiptons. But Mr. Mosby would constantly say, What are you doing in my hotel? Anyways, wait, did you used to watch that? So now the 12 patriarchs, that means the, the 12 sons of, how can I put it? The 12 patriarchs refer to the children of Jacob who became fathers of Israel. So that's where now you find the tribe of Dan, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Levi. The only one who it's a bit different. It is actually Joseph. Because if you are to study it, you find that they are practically, how can I put it? 
Joseph's place was taken by two, his children, Manasseh and Ephraim. Why? It shows that Joseph got the double portion, which is the firstborn's right. That's why there is no tribe of Joseph. That's just a bit of Bible study. So Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. Okay. Now, are you guys about to see the secret to Joseph's life? Okay. Let's look at it. And the patriarchs becoming envious sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. You know what? You may think we're cooking this stuff up. So let's go to Genesis 50. Joseph is now telling his own story. That's Stephen. Stephen says, look, Joseph was betrayed, but God was with him. But now, let's look at what happened with Joseph. Let's look at him telling his own story. Verse 18. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Those servants who betrayed him came and said, we are your servants. And then Joseph first made them sit down. And then he looked this side and said, Niwelesa. Niwelesa. And then he went, then he looked at the, the one who was talking the most. And then he secretly said, Why sad Okay, no, he didn't say that. He's not like me. I, me. <laughs> would have had a concert. <laughs> hey. And I would have made them be the backing vocalists. <laughs> Anyways, so they went and said, Behold, we are your servants. Anyways, he also had a bit of fun. He tricked them at first, didn't he? Anyways, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Then look at how Joseph talks about his life. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So if you are to sit down with Stephen and ask, what was the secret to Joseph's life? He will say, but God. If you are to talk to Joseph, what was the secret to your life? You'll be like, look, these guys betrayed me. They did this, they did that. But God, God used all that and turned it out for his good. What they meant as a demotion for him, God intervened and look at what he became. Turn to your neighbor and say, but God. Can I quote one or two more verses? You know, there could be somebody in this place who's wondering to themselves, how will I manage? There are some who've got so many great ideas, but they're thinking, I don't have the connections. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. How will I find myself in a position where I'm able to influence the world, where I'm able to influence the nation, where I'm able to influence across the mountains of influence? David once thought about that. When you, when you look at the life of David, David had no chance. David, it's, it's different. David was not even considered in his own family. And, you know, unfortunately, there may be some in that position. Why in the family, they've just counted you as that one who might just not be the one. Others, you've been counted as the one. May the Lord bless you even more. Amen. Amen. But then there are some who may not be counted as the one. Others who may be counted as the two. Okay? So, <laughs> um, David was not even recognized by his own parents, interestingly. When the prophet came and said, call all your sons, David wasn't called. So imagine David giving his testimony. If David came here today to give his testimony, how do you think David would dance when we're singing, I have come to give back to you? How do you think he would dance? How do you think he would worship if we sing, How do you think he would worship? They didn't even call him for the meeting. And Samuel, using sight, looked at the first one and said, ah, this could be the one. This is probably the one. And then God told him, no. Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. That's why ladies, if you want to get married, remember that. 
don't just have the inner one. Because man has got a common weakness. <laughs> man starts from the outside in. Okay? So unless he gets a revelation about you, he might have to dress well. Okay? <laughs> so you might, you might be wearing the same uniform as everyone, but they should be the way you rock it. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, where was I? <laughs> yeah, so anyways. So he skipped, passed through the brothers, and then eventually the prophet had to ask, is there any other one? Like, ah, oh, Udia, he's with the sheep. I don't know, they called him. So can you imagine what a testimony meant for David? Do you think in a testimony he would boast about his fighting skills? Do you think in a testimony he would boast about any of those things? About his intelligence? It's no wonder that when David talks about exhortation, when he talks about promotion, there is a way he spoke. And I can show you how he spoke. He said in Psalm 75, verse 6, he says, something interesting. For exhortation comes near, neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. You want to read the next verse together? Let's go. <laughs> you may have no connections. You may have nobody who knows you. But God is the judge. He knows how to lift one. I've been asked so many times, how did you become more prominent in ministry, A, B, C, D? I have no idea. No idea. Honestly, no idea. Sometimes I can honestly say we even evangelized more in the first days. We probably even advertised the meetings more. But God is the judge. He just decided, I've exhorted you. One time we just had a dream where God just said, on this specific date, I'm raising your level. The nation will hear you. And on that specific date, we made sure we had a meeting. Had a meeting just like any other. But God is the judge. God can pull down one, bring up another. That's why don't be on the side of the pulling down. Eh? And you know how not to get on that side, right? Don't use your position to take advantage of people. Do you want one more verse? One or two? Let's have two more. Let's go. We've quoted a lot of the Old Testament. Can we go to the New? In the New Testament, there's someone very special who's spoken about whose name is Jesus. Because somebody can say, well, that was Moses, that was Joseph, that was Abraham. But when we come to Jesus, Jesus is the representation of who we are. Why? Because he fought for what we should have. So what we see reflected in the life of Jesus is what we must see in our lives. And the ultimate thing that happened in Jesus' life is one time they crucified him. I don't need to go into details like I did during Easter about just how crucial that crucifixion was. But the fact of the matter is, at that point, physically, he was dead. His body wasn't working, and the heart wasn't beating. But beyond that, the body was also in a deplorable state. And this is described by Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. Acts chapter 13, and verse 29. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. At this point, we'd think it's over now, right? Uh, there's a song, uh, I don't know if you've heard the song, right? I like the way it starts. It says, Saturday was silent, surely you were through. 
But since when has impossible ever stopped you? Then you dance like a rock dance. It's my wife, it's not me. <laughs> the one who made me start listening to such songs. Isn't that interesting? At that point, what, what do you think was going through the minds of everyone? Let alone his disciples, of whom most didn't even attend the crucifixion. They also read about it like us. What do you think was the talk of the town? We had just shown about those guys in the road to Elmas. The ones who, when Jesus approached, they were like, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? That means the whole town was talking about it. Everyone was like, hmm. Okay, but he was a mighty prophet. Mm. Okay, but this. Okay, but this. Okay, but this. Everything was going that direction. The guards had secured the tomb because the Pharisees were saying that his body is not stolen by his disciples. However, something happened in the next verse. Are you ready to read it with me? One, two, three, go on. <laughs> you know, we can end the story there. But God, but God. So meaning at that point, ladies and gentlemen, there was nothing human that could have been done about it. There was no human instrument that could have been, nothing could have been done. Um, Mary, did you know tears couldn't do anything at that point? The spices that they brought couldn't do anything. The thoughts and prayers of their mind and heart couldn't do anything. Their feelings about it couldn't do anything. But God stepped in. And how, what did he do? According to Romans 8 verse 11, the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, that same spirit. So we've got the same spirit that did that. We have him, we have him, we have him. So imagine how many bad gods we can experience in our lives. Because we've got the same spirit who did that. Hey. Hey. I said, hey. Hey. Woo. Maybe. Someone may be saying, Apostle, this is what you're talking about is really good. But can it really apply to me? Do you know how bad I've been? Do you know where I've gone? That song, Mucha Lo, Nayendele, was written for me. <laughs> Someone may be saying that. Like, <laughs> that message is for the holy ones. What if I can tell you? That even the position of a man's heart can change. And even a position of a man's mind can change. What if I can tell you that it's beyond being forgiven? It's beyond being just a sinner who's been saved by grace. What if I can tell you there's what is called a total transformation? What if I can tell you there's what is called a new creation? So the question one would ask is, you know, you know like sometimes when we preach this message, it sounds too good to be true. Like how can it be? One minute ago, I was this. And I confess Jesus as Lord, and I'm this. And that's where the biggest struggle is. I'm, I, I do a lot of discipleship. The biggest struggle I have in discipling people is getting them to, is just getting them to adapt the mindset from that to this. And by the way, you can tell when the mindset still lingers. You know how you can tell? If I'm to stand here and say, God wants to use 50 people in this place, you'll be like, nah, it's not me. Me, I'm just happy just to be his child. And just love him, at least. Like, I'm just okay. Okay, God wants to make 50 millionaires. Ah. No, God blesses. Oh, wait, that one you're not refusing. <laughs> like, ah, God, I know I don't. Or is that or for 50 millionaires? That's why you say, I couldn't earn it. <laughs> well, what am I trying to say? There are so many times when we disqualify ourselves because of what we've done, where we've been and who we think we are. But I'll tell you something about salvation. Salvation, and listen to me, and listen to me well, is not a behavioral change program. I've done behavioral change programs before. This is not, Christianity is not a lifestyle. It's not even a way of living. It's life. 
Listen, it's salvation is not like we're just trying to modify your behavior from bad to good. And you may be asking, how are these things so? I'll show you two portions of scripture and we can have communion. Romans 6, verse 16. Ha, sometimes when I read these things, they just make me want to give an endless hallelujah to the Lord. When I read these things, and dear canto, brates, stelabron, erprandos, keliprantiklia, Elephant elecrestes colosti. Seri ant elebrihes oloprantes kilefre. Seri andelekes kofradiske. There's an interpretation for that. Be proud of who I've made you to be, says the Lord. Take joy in it, take pleasure in it. For it brings me great delight to see the reward of my labor. Romans 6 and verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So from that you can imagine that before our salvation, we were literally slaves of what we obeyed. And some of us may be saved, and we're allowing ourselves. It's okay, just sit. We're allowing ourselves to still be slaves. That's what I'm saying. It's like we need to get the memo. You know what the memo is? Look, that may be that. But look at the next verse. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You know what to be delivered is? It means to be transferred. So we're saying God be thanked. That can you imagine as sinful as you were, something in your heart moved. Something in your heart moved when you heard the gospel. You knew this was the right message. And when you obeyed it, you were delivered from that area of being in bondage to sin to come into a place where you're literally a slave to righteousness through obedience. So if anybody asks you, how did you start living this way? Say, God, but God be thanked. Now, in case this one is not enough with regards to our salvation, look at Ephesians. I think you've heard this one somewhere before. Look at Ephesians 2. And look at verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So someone here may be saying, Pastor, you don't know the family I grew up in. There's serious witchcraft here. There's serious this, there's serious this. And grew up in total bondage. That doesn't have to be the end of the story. There is good news for you. And what's the good news? It says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we are by nature children of wrath just as others. So Paul is saying, we are just like everybody else. There is a way we used to live. There is a way we used to think. We yielded our members to the flesh. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which, with which he has for us, loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he goes on to say, and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's beyond forgiveness. It's beyond a bath. It's beyond being dirty and being thrown in a tub and you come out clean. It's bigger than that. He's raised us up. Made us alive in Christ. Raised us up and we are seated in heavenly places. It, ah, it's, it's beyond that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's beyond just being forgiven. It's beyond that. It's beyond it. It's at the place that he has raised us to. 
It's what he has made us to become. And we must be proud of that. We must be proud of that. Imagine someone met my wife today, right? And said, your son's name was this. How come it's now this? She would say, but Fred. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, she would say, oh, my life, this was my son's name. But this doesn't happen. But that's, I'm, I'm trying to use earthly examples just to show you that in a moment, something changed, and it changed permanently. <laughs> Praise God. And I want to end with one portion of scripture. Matthew 19 and verse 24. And I want you to apply this to whichever area you want. Okay? And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if the disciples wanted to be poor, they wouldn't have asked the next question. Don't you think so? <laughs> because they asked, hey, who then can be saved? <laughs> so they were not interested in being poor. Now, let me, before we go to the last verse, I just want to give a bit of context into how we, I want us to apply this. Has, is there anything that has ever felt hard? Starting, maybe, maybe starting with your walk in God. Has anyone ever felt, will I manage? Will I manage to keep the faith? Will I manage to keep in prayer? Will I manage to stay away from this and that? Or maybe along the way something will happen. Or mm, when I look at the economy, will I manage this? Or when I hear of some of these pestilences and viruses, will I manage to be alive? Will I manage APCD? Is it possible to live a supernatural life? Is it easy? Can it happen, Apostle? Will I manage to live up to this stuff that you're preaching about? The disciples were literally questioning whether they can manage to live up to what Jesus was preaching. So somebody in this place may be asking that question. Will I manage? Will I manage? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, as long as you rely on your own strength, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Why have I ended with this verse? Because in, in certain scriptures, we saw God intervening without really the involvement of the man. He just intervened and said, Okay, but God then stepped in. But God then stepped in. But God then he stepped in. But Jesus introduces us to something. He says, but with God. So now, it's, it's beyond now God just coming in and stepping in. Now it's a deliberate, there's a deliberateness about it. There's a corporateness about it. And if you now start reading the spirit of the New Testament and the scriptures of the New Testament, you notice that it goes beyond but God stepping in to now you living life with God. Now you can find and it says, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Do you see that? Now you can find it says, take up the sword of the spirit. Now you can find where it says that heal the sick, cast out devils. What am I trying to say? We can move from just having arbitrary interventions in our lives to deliberately live in lives of faith where we involve this same God who intervenes in every aspect of our lives. Where it doesn't have to take a bad situation for us to see the supernatural. We can actually go from glory to glory. And didn't he tell us that I will give you another counselor to be with you forever? What, what do you think the Holy Ghost is there for in your life? What do you think is there for? Oh, you are catching this. I can see it in your eyes. You're catching this. I can see it even at the back there. I know you're catching this. This is something that, as a matter of fact, it's also catching you. It, will, it won't let go of you. you. You'll be struggling to sleep. It'll be telling you, but God, but God, but God. And then you will move to, but with God. And let me tell you something about when you're with God. When you're with God. 
there's a, there's, there's a special piece of advice that Gamaliel gave. A special piece of advice. You can see it in Acts 5, verse 30. We'll read from verse 36, somewhere there. Gamaliel is speaking. And he says, some time ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished. And all who obeyed him were dispersed. I sense a very powerful declaration. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. So that's, what, that's the thing about plans of men. There's a place where they've got a time, they've got a, they've got a time scale. They've got a time scale. There's a place where they end. That's why, they've, that's why out of their experience and acknowledging those things, they even come up with sayings. They will tell you to be nice to others on your way up because you need them on your way down. Now what if you're not coming down? <laughs> then you'll be nice simply because it's the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> and so he tells them, look, the property of something that is of men is that it's got an expiry date. <laughs> but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Least you be found to fight against God. Ladies and gentlemen, the blessing of God on your life won't expire. No, you have no expiry date. The manifestation of God's love on your life won't expire. And God is now calling you. And if everyone here was to stand and give a testimony, there are different areas where we can say, okay, but God intervened, but God intervened. But now God is calling you for a corporateness where you provoke divine interventions through acts of faith. Listen, Jesus said something very, very interesting. He was asked saying, if you can help, if you can do something about it, please help. He replied, if, and said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Jesus tells his disciples, saying, have the God kind of faith, and you will speak to this mountain. Meaning, you can come to a place where you now start causing these same interventions because he's seated you in heavenly places and given you that authority to provoke these things yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, I came here with a very simple message today. And I couldn't think of any other title except the one you're about to give me right now. So the title of my message today is The wonder working God, working God, too good to not believe. You're the wonder working God, you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God You heal because you love Every eye closed for a moment Every eye closed as we're taking the communion today, the biggest thing I want you to reflect on is the intentionality of God in your life. 
how he has plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. I want you to focus on how intentional he is, how intentional Jesus was with what he did for you. And before I allow the communion people to come in, I want to ask, is there somebody in this place who is in one of two categories? Either you're not born again, no, don't change it. Either you're not born again, or perhaps you're straight off the path and this is the moment for you to rededicate your life to God. You've got an opportunity to experience him. You've got an opportunity to enjoy fellowship with him. And even if you're the only one, I don't want you to be shy. Sometimes we may have been brought up in the church, but we've really just been religious. We've not come to a place where we've had our own personal decision and our own personal encounter with God. So if you're one of those people, I would like you to lift your hands. Okay, lift your hands, please. Firstly, congratulations for coming through. You've made a perfect decision. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came in the flesh. You died. You were buried. And you rose again. I give you my life. And from this day, I'm born again. Now in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, ask my wife to just pray for her. Quickly. Pray for her. Receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray for her. Receive the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the city of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.